Welcome to I'm Obsessed With This, the Netflix podcast about the shows and films viewers cannot get enough of. Today, I'm joined in the studio by writer, editor, and co-host of the podcast, This Had Oscar Buzz, Joe Reed. Hi. Thank you, Bobby. Hi, Joe. How are you? Very, very happy. You are our second, I think, returning guest. I love that. After Lindsay, who I told Joe doesn't count. Yes. In the shocking statement. No offense to Lindsay. She doesn't count. <laughs> Sorry, Lindsay. Lindsay I, do I, not, I do not co-sign any statements. Lindsay that and is I, Bobby's own opinion. Uh, co-own a business together. Therefore, she these are obligations. These are, these are, <laughs> right. She, she these must are professional duties. They're yeah. not favors. They're not kind <laughs> gestures like, right. like you being here today. She's punching the clock. Yes. <laughs> so Joe hosts a podcast called This Had Oscar Buzz, which is about movies that for a time, at some point, in their run-up to the Oscars. Sometime had that little, year. Yeah. Had a little Oscar buzz. They and did. then ultimately, the buzz didn't really take it anywhere. Right. Which to me is fascinating because like the successes are whatever. They're the movies we remember, mm-hmm. usually. Usually. Um, but I think the, the, the thin line between those movies that were nominated that we kind of don't remember and the ones that weren't nominated, like, then we're just like, but it seems like all the ingredients were there. Mm-hmm. It was a costume drama starring an Oscar-nominated yeah. actor with an Oscar-winning director, and this whole kind of thing is. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to predict how our opinions will like ebb and flow over yeah. the over the over the years. But is there a 2019 movie that you've Ooh. already been thinking like we're going to talk about that in 10 years? Well, I mean, this doesn't really fit your rubric exactly because the one that everybody can't wait for us to talk about is Cats, because <laughs> any any modern movie musical in since Chicago when Chicago won the best picture in 2002 has gotten some degree of Oscar buzz and usually weirdly enough like even stuff like Nine like uh-huh. I can't think of a more uninspiring movie I never than saw Nine it. I fell asleep in the middle of it it's, <laughs> it's bad um, it was at the Park Slope Pavilion and it was ice cold and I still fell asleep <laughs> um, but even that got like a supporting actress yeah. nomination and like costumes and whatnot and so Every movie musical, it doesn't surprise me, as I'm shaking the table, um, it doesn't surprise me that Cats got Oscar buzz. Because Mm -hmm. even though it's Cats and everybody from the break was like, this sounds like a nightmare, Mm -hmm. you were at least like, oh, but Taylor Swift's doing an original song. And look at all those costumes and look at all those visual effects. And like, sometimes the Oscars don't award the best, they award the most. Yeah. So it... It's a reasonable assumption that it would have gotten something, and I still think it would have if it didn't flop so hard at the box mm-hmm. office and critically. Mm-hmm. And like now, weirdly, it's getting this like upswing sort of. It's funny because they have that expression, the dead cat bounce. Mm-hmm. In like in um, it's a thing in like sports where like you fire your coach and you get so bad that like mm-hmm. you hit the ground and then you sort of like have nowhere to go but up. Yeah, and that sort of feels like what it's, cats is doing with these like rowdy screenings and the whatnot. rowdy screenings at the draft house. Yeah. And like it it. For whatever reason, somebody was on the ball and somebody knew that, like, oh, this is what's going to get make Cats at least a little bit profitable mm-hmm. and good for Cats. Because good for cats. it's not great. It's not probably I not good. But I it's, haven't seen it. it's worth seeing. I will say, find yourself the right circumstances okay. and see it. Because they are doing it at the Draft House. They're doing tonight, rowdy, I think. Oh, it's one. tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're doing, they're, there have been rowdy screenings, I think, like, every weekend this month. I mean, they're still showing room. So yeah, they show room all the, like you can see room at any point in New yeah. York City any given night. The it's room, playing not the Brie room. Larson's room. The room, not Brie Larson's room. <laughs> Although if I wanted to, I'm sure I could. Like, what if there were rowdy screenings the... of Brie Larson's room? Just like get out of that truck, kid. Jacob Tremblay just appears sometimes. Honestly, just, to, just for funsies. So, I told you to prepare your phone in advance. You were so yes. kind to do it. I like going through people's phones. Their Netflix app. I'm not gonna. And like I say, I'm not this. I know that this is, this is 
trust. Yes, it is. <laughs> to hand someone a phone yeah. is trust. Yeah. I'm not going to leave this app. Okay. But even being in the Netflix app is very personal. Sure, of course. Now I'm, I'm trying to think of like what's my most embarrassing Netflix watch. Like I always say, everyone's Netflix app looks completely different. Yeah. They're very, like when you go into someone else's, you feel like you're in another planet. So yeah. let's just see what yours. So you have Love is Blind at the top. So does everyone, right? Yeah. The whole I, world does. I haven't watched it me yet. Either. It wants me to watch it. It knows that I watched The Circle, so I'm probably like the same kind of person who will watch mm-hmm. Love is Blind. That feels mm-hmm. like same. a good algorithm connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got your preview content, uh, your uh, critic privilege I see at the top. Yes, yes. Flaunting my critic privilege. Critically acclaimed TV shows, a little expected. Okay, trending now. Everyone has a, a version of that. Yeah. Let's go to your continue watching. Oh, okay. I love the continue watching because I think the red line is fascinating. I should say, and not to like pre-defend myself or anything, my <laughs> job dictates that I watch things that I wouldn't normally watch. So sometimes, like, my recommendations on Netflix are all sort of screwed up Mm -hmm. because it thinks that the stuff that I'm watching for work is the stuff that I'm watching for pleasure. And I, like, created a whole, like, separate... Like, you know, you have, I have one for myself. Oh, you, I have one for my parents. I have one for, like, everybody that uses my whatever account. Mm -hmm. And then I have one for work. But I'm, like, Uh I just don't toggle enough like it's too much of an effort to just like toggle through sometimes so i'm just like i'll just watch it on my just own. to keep the the algorithm in line right that was the idea and like it, it just didn't hasn't worked out in practice and the moment like you veer off extra. once it's bye-bye it's, it's bye-bye forever <laughs> it's that thing where you can't get a drop of water in like melted chocolate when you're making like when you're like melting chocolate for oh, anything yeah. or else the whole thing the whole like, thing's breaks real. yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh so you've got astronomy club Loved. You're on episode. Oh my god! You, have you watched all of it? Watched all of it. Okay. twice. You're like, rewatching it now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's so it and it's it's reached the point now where I can just dip into any episode when mm-hmm. I'm feeling just like I have a half an hour and I want to watch something fun. It's so funny. Cannot recommend it enough. And I know you've seen all of the West Wing. Oh, so are you just starting it over? I, You're in season one, season two, episode fourteen. Almost finished with the episode. I just have a con- continuous looping rewatch of the West Wing that sometimes I'll put it on when I'm going to bed. I'll put it on when I don't want to watch TV, but I want to have something on Mm -hmm. that I know I've watched enough times that it won't like draw my attention too Mm -hmm. much. It's just sort of, it's my wallpaper. It's like, it's my one show when it leaves Netflix. I already sort of like pre-planning what is going to be my backup. I think it's Seinfeld. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Schitt's Creek. Is that the same thing? Because it says season two, episode two. This one is more of a concentrated rewatch because it's reaching the end. I wanted to start okay. it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So that one I'm I'm moving through. How are you enjoying it upon rewatching? I think season one is something you just sort of like get get through to get to yeah. season two. It's not bad. It's not like early, like season one of Seinfeld, unwatchable. Season, season one. one of The Simpsons, unwatchable. Season one of Sex and the City, largely unwatchable, but sort of yeah. finds its footing halfway. Yeah. yeah, and it's sometimes interesting to watch. Like, Sex and the City is more interesting to watch find its footing because it does it sort of structurally. They mm-hmm. get rid of a lot of those sort of man-on-the-street interviews yeah. and whatever, and, like, Miranda's look is less severe, and, like, everybody's sort of, like, a less severe version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Shit's Creek is just sort of, like... That show is premised on the more you get to know these characters, the more you like them, Mm -hmm. the more the comedy and the little sort of like sweet moments of pathos really get you in like in your heartstrings. And I think that show just sort of like needs that little needs to build a base. Yeah. And but yeah, I'm now I'm in season two and it's just like it's hitting a sweet spot. I know that you've seen Marriage Story, but why yes. is the red line about 23 minutes into Marriage Story? Did you rewatch the beginning of Marriage Story? Did you just have to I go back I, to this? I think I dipped in for a scene, and I think it was probably, if you go in and reach that point, it's probably the scene in the kitchen with Merritt Weaver and Julie Haggerty, although I could My be wrong. Scene. It's the best scene. Because My favorite scene. Because Merritt Weaver is a, a phenomenal 
person. And that's got to be what it is. It's got to be, or or maybe like a Laura Dern scene in in the. Uh, it's the, the, the Laura scene. D- it is okay. It's got to be. Yep. Let's see. Goop Lab. What do you think of Goop Lab? Oh my God. Are we I have to talk it. about Goop Lab. Oh, Bobby, you've got to watch it. I know. I know. There's so many things I've got to watch and I haven't watched. I it have yet. never felt more susceptible to being in a cult. <laughs> as I have watching Goop Lab because I literally, I'll watch this and I'll be like, I don't believe in psychics. And then mm-hmm. I'll watch the episode on psychics and like there's one moment where I was just like, but what happened there? <laughs> or like the certain things, I'm like, I'm not going to go jumping into a freezing lake. I feel like that is like mm-hmm. my line of demarcation with that with just like this guy who's who's a guru of like cold therapy or whatever where he's got all these women with like no percent body fat like jumping into this frozen lake and i'm like somebody's gonna die but the other thing that i find so irresistible about goop lab is the setup of it it's like gwyneth who participates in nothing in nothing she sits there <laughs> observing at a remove doesn't go that's, for any that's the, what only, I want from the only one she participates in that i've seen so far i think there's a couple that i'm still like saving for mm-hmm. like so i don't watch them all um, she participates in one that's like a diet, but it's the diet that she's already on. So like, it's whatever. <laughs> participates. Right, exactly. She's living it. Right, yes. Um, but everybody else around her seems incredibly competent and in no way sort of flighty or spacey. Uh-huh. They, It's just other people from the Goop sort of organization. So like her head of media or her head of content or whatever, just like all these people are participating in... We're like trying out these different things or commenting on it. And everybody in Goop seems incredibly rational and competent, which is so funny because it's Goop that they're talking. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just like it's just these all these incredibly intelligent people talking about like this space cadet stuff. And it's what it's so it's weirdly um, uncynical mm-hmm. and which is weird when you're talking about Goop. Yeah. Because Goop seems pretty cynical. Uh-huh. Um, and enjoyable. It's just really enjoyable to watch. Okay. I really feel like I got sucked in. So let's talk about Zack Lunch Bunch. I was so happy that nobody had talked about it on this podcast yet. I was surprised, but and I, I was very happy. It. And then you said to watch it, and then I watched it, and yeah. I compl- I fell in love. I laughed so hard. Isn't I it just so cute? I I can't wait to watch it again. I can't it's, wait to watch it again. I love the things that I love the best are things that combine tones that you think shouldn't be able to combine. Mm-hmm. These kids are both like kind of theater kids, mm-hmm. but they're also like really like unvarnished and, and beguiling and sort of the the thing where like they're performing in these little like musical numbers, which feel a little like a little raggedy. Yeah. But yeah. also like just like they're such earworms, all of them. But those performances are all very sort of like preteen theater kid, right? Where mm-hmm. you can tell just like these kids are maybe going to try and like act in commercials mm-hmm. and maybe like see what they can get. And then it also, then they have the little interview bits with them. And I think he's so smart to talk about like, what are your like childhood fears? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, it's a very specific question and it gets the kids talking about sort of like things you maybe wouldn't want. Like normally people are just like asking kids like, what do you watch? What can we make on yeah. television yeah. that like you guys will watch? And but these kids talking about their fears and they're so unvarnished and they're so peculiar and particular. And I like it feels weird that I'm just like, I wish they were like my nieces and nephews that I could just sort of like be friends with that girl Cordelia talking about the clown therapy. The clown therapy on the couch made me literally want to sit down with her for like an hour and just be like, (laughs) let's go through this one by one. I love it so much. So that's my first question for you, Joe. What's your biggest fear? What is my big? Well, a lot of these kids were just sort of just like dying alone in my sleep and I'm like that's not too far I think my biggest fear is dying by drowning 
Mm-hmm. I think that's like, like my the legit kid at the beginning. One. Yes. Like, yeah. I think that's a horrible way mm-hmm. to go just because you knowing that like you're trying to hold your breath and the minute you give up, you're just going to swallow water and die. And, and it's, it's going to be, aw- and it will be awful and for slow. you. Yeah. I don't, I don't like you. it. I don't like yeah. it. But like, I love that this, the kid, first of all, Cordelia talking about the clowns, like, because clowns are a very like, clowns is a fear is sort of like a trope. Mm-hmm. But these two kids, uh, it was Cordelia and wait, it was Zell. Cordelia Zell. and Zell, Zell, my two favorites, um, talked about it <laughs> so specifically. Cordelia with the the therapist that her parents sent her to oh, yeah. who made her dress up as a clown, which is as Mulaney's giving the interview, Mulaney seems horrified and like he wants to call somebody to like report this I think, therapist. I think that was the moment where I was like, I, I cannot tell how much of these interviews are scripted and how much of them are authentic and I think at that moment I was like oh they're all authentic the I was like none of authentic. the none yeah. of the interviews are scripted and right. I thought what I thought he was doing was doing kind of a half and half where right. like you couldn't tell the blinds are blurred between them right but I was like oh no I, I think this is all real that was me during the chess scene with um, Tyler the little mm-hmm. kid with yeah. the glasses the little sort of like mm-hmm. Livnicki-esque kid when they're just sort of talking plainly and I think that one is scripted but I think the Tyler plays it so mm-hmm. like well sort yeah. of like um, stone faced but then so Cordelia tells the story of the clown with the therapist and then Zell tells the story of it's not even a story he's just like for a time a few years ago 26, October 2016 October 2016 <laughs> yeah. there were clowns showing up everywhere which by the way there were yeah. I was on Twitter I remember it. I remember people were yeah. talking about it and Mulaney seems slightly incredulous and he's just like this was a thing that people were aware of, and he's just like, yes, yes, it was. Like and he's right. When Melanie was saying that, I was like, oh, right, you're not on Twitter all the time. Right. Like, this is all everyone was talking about yes. on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. And this so this a- kid, like, it's so funny, like, watching people experiencing the same things that we were, but mm-hmm. from a kid's perspective, he was just like, I wanted to be very aware at all times about, <laughs> yeah. like, where potential clowns were. It's great. It's um, so great. You already like stand-up. Yes. But are you a John Mulaney fan in particular? Because this is one of those specials that I, I number one, I don't follow stand-up. So it's not surprising that I didn't know it was coming, kind of. Sure. But the the day it was dropped, towards the end of December. Very much, yeah. Right it was the like the, the day it came out, the morning it came out, I was seeing people tweet about how it was incredible. And I was like, how did... how did you find this already? How has everyone seen this already? How long did it take you to see it? So Netflix... Um, in their uh, generosity towards me as a film journalist, um, made this <laughs> available to me. Like it was available to writers, like a month ahead of time. So it I had see. a really, okay. really long lead up. And so I was even seeing like other people, uh, Esther Zuckerman, who was on the last time I was on. We I were was both thinking about, about Esther Stranger when I Things, said, yeah. and she sort of like tweeted something sort of uh, ambiguous about it. And I was just like, "You've seen Sacklunch much?" <laughs> um, and so I think there was a little bit of like underground drumbeat of just like, and because. Watching it, you have no idea how anybody else is going to take it because mm-hmm. it's so peculiar and it's so strange. And I think there was a lot of fascination of, I don't know how other people are going to see this, but I would like other people to see this because mm-hmm. it's so much not like anything else. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of us who had been seeing it on screeners for like that very long lead time, um, by the time it showed up, we were just like, ah, we can talk about we this We have now. to talk about We have this. to talk about this, yeah. Um, w- at what point during the special were you sold on it? Like, when did oh. that turn happen? Like, um, was it, it was pretty immediate for me. I think it was, I think genuinely it was um, Grandma's Got a Boyfriend. Yeah. Like, once it got to that, I think Mulaney just sort of chatting with the kids, you really are trying to suss out, like, 
on what 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 level are we on? And the show sort of takes that on right away where it has, I think it's Cordelia again, just being like, what's the tone of the show? What is, mm-hmm. is that ironic? Is it not ironic? Yeah. And he's just like, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. And you're sort of trying to tell, like, are we are we being arch about this? Are we being, are we making fun of children's shows? Are we being a parody of children's shows? And I don't think that's it. I no. think it's trying to recreate a little bit of that magic with like Mulaney's particular sense of humor, mm-hmm. which is, a little arch, but it's also mostly just sort of like, I think he can crawl back into his sensibility of sort of when he was younger mm-hmm. and in a, in a sort of really interesting way. And he kind of meets these kids in the middle, even in the stuff that's scripted. I think he meets these kids at the middle and he's never condescending to them or just like that. Okay. So here's a good example. That sketch that's the focus group mm-hmm. of the movie, yeah. of the like whatever, like very middle brow. A bamboo tube, bamboozled tube. Right. The yeah. absolute minioniest, like middle of the road movie. Mm-hmm. It makes such good jokes about the way that the animated movies. The first and movies. final cut. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the first and final cut. The thing where just like, who was that voice? Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Like this is, but like, so like all really good jokes, that, like adults who follow movies are going to get. But also, I think any other sketch from anybody else about that is going to have the person giving the focus group get really frustrated with the kids Mm -hmm. and how sort of like fickle and you know maybe basic they are and whatever and it's just or just like they're being kids and you're like I don't you don't know what you want that scene from the Simpsons yeah it's like you don't know what you want because you're kids (laughs) and kids are stupid which I love so much but this is just like no it's it's sort of finding this fickleness in kids and this sort of just like zero to a hundred enthusiasm that will change by tomorrow really delightful mm-hmm. and I was just like oh you you love these kids I you, love these kids now to me and I and I know very little about John Mulaney just in general yeah less about his person about his childhood yeah but when I was watching it I was like oh he seems to really love these kids yeah and I sort of think he was one of those kids this comes from a knowing place yeah it's it surprises me that he's not a New York kid he's a Chicago mm-hmm. kid because and I guess that's not too far away from it, but like yeah. a lot of this seems very specifically New York and they yeah. have these very specifically New York jokes about just like, who'd you see on the subway today? Yeah. Fran Lebowitz? You got <laughs> you it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> but just like it's... There, it's And the interstitial noises too. Yeah. yeah. Well, and just the fact that these kids seem a little bit like they're, they've observed their parents having like conversations about the Met. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's that kind of yeah. vibe. And I love, as much as sort of like that class of parent, I always sort of like give a little side eye to, mm-hmm. but I love the kids of that because it's like, oh, they grew up with sort of the apex of culture around them as well as just like kid stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm always fascinated with kids who like grew up on the Upper West Side or went to New York City schools because I'm just like, what kind of childhood is that like when you're not removed from anything, when mm-hmm. you're sort of in the middle of all of it? And these yeah. kids seem to have had a lot of... um stimuli sort of like in their lives and that's why their confessions are always sort of like very interesting the one girl Ava who's like I'm afraid of home invasion yeah and it's just like oh yeah just like the world doesn't like stop because at you at like at your boundaries because you're a kid mm-hmm. like you take in all of this stuff I think that was the hardest I laughed at it that the punchline of that thing where it was like did you get any fears from your mom and she's like she's yeah, yeah home, home invasion <laughs> she was one of my favorites too I and I her. and I think that those precocious kids can be tough for an adult to deal with sure and yeah. I and when I realized what the show was which I did not know until I pushed play I was sort of 
nervous. I was yeah. like, oh God, it's theater kids. This yeah. is going to bug me. Like yeah. there is a certain category of theater kid that can be annoying. The precocious kid. Yeah. Every few years, there's a precocious kid who is everywhere because yeah. he's in some big movie with an A-lister, you know? Right. Most recently, Jacob Tremblay is right. what I'm thinking about. Young Sheldon. That kind yes. Of yeah. So that sort of thing can be grating to adults. And mm-hmm. I think especially adults without kids yes. like myself. But I think countering that precociousness with a little window into the fact that like they're children yeah. like don't hate these kids right. yes they're acting but like also they're kids also they're kids they're and it kids. reminds you yeah and it's funny because, and they're, like, they're sweet and Mulaney makes a point of saying at the beginning he's like I don't have kids and I don't have any intention <laughs> to have kids and so I think that's a little bit of like it's not friction or conflict but Mm-mm. it's a little bit of like he's sort of observing these kids from a distance yeah Oh my god, we have to talk about Girl Talk with Richard Kind. Oh, Girl Talk with Richard Kind. <laughs> okay, Girl Talk. I'm here for you. I'm an open book, so ask me anything. Girl Talk, go ahead. Actually, who did you play in A Bug's Life? In A Bug's Life? Yeah. Oh, I was... I was Molt, but you won't remember the name. But I was, you know, remember the angry grasshopper? Yeah! I was his brother. If I wasn't already sold on it by then, that like upped the ante for me so much because it is again, that is one of the moments where like the the line between scripted and non-scripted was so thin mm-hmm. where it really felt like you could tell they went in with like some parameters for mm-hmm. what that was going to be. But like when Ava starts like arguing back with him about just like I've been in productions and I'm friends with all those people. And he's like, <laughs> you've been in one thing. And one he's thing. just arguing with her. Mm-hmm. And it's so perfect. And but he's like, you can tell. He's like leveling with them when he's just like, you think you'd be friends with them, but you yeah. won't. Yeah. And the punchline of him and Sack Lunch Bunch, because he's the only guest star that they name in that, that opening song, which is like <laughs> part of the joke. And the joke of it is just like only somebody like John Mulaney with this sort of just like sort of insidery Hollywood, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's just like, that's our special guest. That's exactly, that's the guy I want. Mm-hmm. That's the one who we're going to like feature in this special yeah that's the one that he put on paper i have to have him yeah everyone else let's just find celebrities yeah. we can find a famous person Although, to do this the famous people they got in this is are all so well chosen like mm-hmm. just getting natasha leone not even to ha- be in a sketch just to like talk about her fears is amazing and they were like she, uh, she only has five minutes this afternoon it's yes like, that's fine <laughs> she mentioned that commercial um the women of robotech yeah I, I looked that up and like it's oh, on YouTube. If you look it up and you can find it, it's not just look up like women of Robotech ad and there's maybe only like three or four of them and you watch one of them and I watched all of them and you just one and it's just like that is Natasha Leone. I went wow. I wrote about it for oh, uh, there it is. Yeah. I wrote about it for Primetimer, so if you want to Google just my name and You and are you are what comes up first. Wonderful. Good. That's all I've ever I wanted. I will play <laughs> I will play the clip here. Good. It's Dana Sterling, daring Robotech squadron leader, battling the enemy on her hover cycle. Dear, look out! <laughs> but when the fighting's over, Dana has time for a workout. <laughs> then she goes to a fabulous party. Dana, you look so pretty! Let's do top five songs. Start at five. I'll start at one just because it's it'll easy, It's easier to okay. knock them off. Yeah. Plain Plate and Noodles. That's my number one. Plain Plate and Noodles yep. is so good. Seen at a restaurant, but there's only one meal that I ever want. Just noodles with butter and not too much, and they have to be the tube kind of I won't touch. It's so recognizable a kid thing mm-hmm. of just like you if you were not that kid, 
your brother was that kid or somebody was that my kid. My nephew was that kid. Who's just like so particular about food. And finally the parents are just like, fine, we'll just give you a plain plate of noodles. And him sort of like articulating that from the other side of it almost is lovely. And it's again, earworm city. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put grandma's got a boyfriend number two. My two. That's my two. It's another one that's like total earworm. I love that kid, Jake, who sings it. It's so, um, again, circumstances that are a little, you know, recognizable. Mm -hmm. When my grandpa went and lived in the retirement home, he had like a girlfriend, if not multiple girlfriends. There was like a whole thing. And my mom and her sisters were always very suspicious of it. Um, what is the line? Oh, my favorite line of that. And my la- I listened to that on the way here too. the, the line about how like Paul don't get in the middle of this. You don't this need to give them a reason. <laughs> this is not your fight. You don't need to give them a reason to hate you or yes, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. And then the little like uh, chorus of ladies being like the fella fought on D day. <laughs> I love him so much. All Number right. three. Number three, Algebra Song. By age 13, I was weary of school. Thought doing your homework was the work of a fool. Dropped out in a flash and abracadabra. No more reading, no more algebra. Okay, I had that at number five, weirdly. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Number four is... Oh, the White Lady Crying song with yep. Emily Ashford. That's my number three. That's your number three. Mm-hmm. It's really, really good. It's very. I that's, love how long it is. I love that it just keeps it's going. It's so long. The fact that he they go from uh, an abon man to another abon man <laughs> to a lapenko tidian. Yes, it's like it's the best <laughs> joke of that kind since yeah. Best in Show when they were like we met at a Starbucks across not, the street yeah, from another yeah. Starbucks. Love that shit. She takes my Um, so what's that? That's my four. That's your four. And then um, number five is, oh, Music Everywhere. Cause there is music here, music there, music, music everywhere. Use your ears, be aware, you're making music everywhere. I want to tell like music everywhere a lot, but I think That's it was harder for me to listen to later. That's the one number that gets most taken over by other forces. Yeah. Other forces being Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. I find it very like tuneful and and earwormy, but mm-hmm. like I'm glad it came at the end because that's sort of like when the sh- the special sort of like uh, crash lands a little bit mm-hmm. if yeah. it does crash land. Yeah, and if you don't like it, you can just sort of like, well, now it's over. It's over. It's, it's over. over. I can turn it off. Although the last the last last little bit where Andre De Shields gives his little interview oh, and he's yeah. just like, there is nobody like you. That's the one thing that most reminded me of those like children specials that Melanie talks about, sort of. Uh, being uh, emblematic of just mm-hmm. sort of like free to be you and me and all that sort of stuff which wasn't I didn't watch that stuff when I was a kid Melanie and I are very similar in age yeah what did you watch as a kid what were you, what are the children's show yeah so that side of what you're endeared to very big in Sesame Street very big in I also like beyond Sesame Street were you I watched Roger, Rogers yes but not as much see it's funny I watch all these things those sort of the documentary about Mr. Rogers and a beautiful day in the neighborhood and I feel like I maybe just would watch the beginning of Mr. Rogers and then just sort of peter out mm-hmm. because I never really, none of the stuff with like the king and the queen and the castle or all that sort of mm-hmm. like um, mythology stuff resonates with me. And I feel like Mr. Rogers was something I knew was there and I was sort of comforted by, but I was never like felt a part of mm-hmm. as I did by Sesame Street. I was very much like, I'm going to watch um, 
Transformers and G.I. Joe and all that mm-hmm. stuff from like probably a very like young age to the point where anything before that I really don't remember. Mm-hmm. We had like so living in Buffalo so close to Canada, there was a show called Mr. Dress Up that was a Canadian show like CBC and we mm-hmm. would get it in uh, in Buffalo on the CBC channel. And that was sort of like similar. He had a trunk and they would dress up and things, whatever. And like I remember that. Um, or like a lot of Nickelodeon stuff. Yeah. Um, but that Andre De Shields thing at the end, where he's just so sincere and just like you're the only person like you, so just be yourself. And it's like, it's heartwarming. It reminded me of his Tony speech too. Um, but I was just like, oh, okay. I love that. Like after all of this sort of silliness, it has this very. It's not afraid to end on this very sincere message. And it's also the sort of thing that. I, and while yeah, I don't really like by no means are children the target of this show. No. But it's the thing that I could imagine watching extremely comfortably with a. 11 year old yes like and i was like oh i feel like they might not love all of this but they would love enough of this and i think they would find a lot of it pretty funny i was glad to have something i think sometimes when you're get you know adults making things for children Mm -hmm. you either try and so hard like sell them on liking the things that you liked when you were a kid Mm -hmm. or you go so hard down the road of just like what are you watching i'll make the like I'll make my version of that. What do you, is it YouTube? I'll make a YouTube thing. Is mm-hmm. it like whatever? TikTok? I'll get so into TikTok. <laughs> and I like the fact that this is a thing featuring kids on, on a lot of ways by kids. Yeah. But meant for adults in a way that doesn't feel like cynical or you're just like disregarding the kid or, side of it. Or too sort of mindlessly nostalgic. Where it's yes. like nostalgia for nostalgia's sake, where right. it's like, well, you're not really thinking about this. Like, you're not actually coming at this from right. like a, a thoughtful angle. Right. This felt like it was so meticulous and like something mm-hmm. that he had been wanting to do for a long time. And yeah. it was like, you know, trying to find the right way to do it. And, and ultimately, you could tell it came, right. I think you could tell it came from something, some idea that he had that felt heartfelt. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That yeah. didn't feel calculated. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, and it wasn't like cloying or anything. No, 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 no. No, I think that's the, I think that's the great sort of, you know joy of watching it is that just like oh you're really not you're not trying so hard to be delightful Mm -hmm. you're just sort of you just like end up that way because these kids are so present in what they're doing and also because you're john mulaney who is someone that i have grown to like right like i've grown to appreciate him in a way where maybe 10 years ago i was like this fucking guy you know like he's very much this fucking guy yeah and then you get to know him and you're like oh but you're one of the good this fucking guy. That's the thing. You know? I think that's uh, what Seth Meyers has become yeah. as well. I think those two are sort of like in many ways hand in hand because of the SNL thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's right. I think that's these people who you sort of have because you know that like the Colin Josts of the world mm-hmm. are there and they are plentiful and you don't want to ever fall for one yeah. of them. And, and you're, so and you're on a little high alert. Wary. Yeah. You're on high alert. You think they're going to be the Colin Jost. Yes. Whose memoir that comes out soon is literally oh. called what? I have a punchable face or something. A very punchable face. Which is so, I'm sorry. To I hate that, that so much. Because it's just like, you don't get to diffuse yeah. that bomb. Only we get to mm-hmm. diffuse that exactly. bomb. And I don't want to diffuse that bomb. There is a common refrain when there is something like this where people say, or when there's like two people photographed together at the red carpet, like more of this, like put them, make this, I watch eight seasons of this. Uh Yes, whatever. Like put them in a rom-com. Yeah. And I was hearing that in my head, even though I don't even know that I necessarily saw this, like more of the John Mulaney sack lunch bunch. Yeah. 
And I was like, it makes me sad to know that that's sort of a, a, a default mode for us where it's like, yeah. we want more of this. Right. I am maybe being a little optimistic, but this seems like the thing that everyone involved knows is sort of one and done. Yeah. And that's sort of why it's treated so it, well. It and, feels, if not unrepeatable, just like singular. Yeah. Yeah. What, it's one of my big bugaboos in general and culture of just like, please let's find a way to allow things to end. Mm-hmm. And weirdly, streaming gives me hope that just sort of like certain things can just sort of like exist and be done. Just and maybe it. we can like yeah. take the same people and work with the same people, but mm-hmm. work on a, like a new thing. Anthology series are like so cool for that. The last question I have before yes. I leave you, celebrity cameos of your dreams. If oh. you were given, if you were oh. given carte blanche to make a, a special, like the Joe Reed special, oh, whatever form fantastic. that may take, but you could sort of reach out to celebrities, who were the five you would reach out to? Like sort of fun people, like yeah. underdogs, maybe like uh, an underutilized Broadway person or a character actress you love. Like Merritt Weaver's probably among them, right? Merritt Weaver's you know? definitely among yeah. them for sure. Debbie Allen mm-hmm. is like always like number one. I think she's so because I, I mean, I could think of other people. The first, weirdly, the first thing that came into my mind. Uh, was Wendy Williams because I'm mm-hmm. on a little bit of but like Wendy wouldn't work with kids like I no, don't want, she would hate she it. would be this is not her element she wouldn't show up no. this would be Debbie's element I could see Debbie like doing a thing like a dance number with the kids mm-hmm. or something like that love her um, I think Merritt Weaver is an excellent choice um, <laughs> I want it to be your choice no 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 but I I'm I'm totally uh, glomming onto that one for sure um, hmm do you have any off the top of your head. I'm going through my like internal ro- when this happens I go through I would, the, I would, this internal Rolodex. It's like, harder it's it's harder I mean I would uh, I, I want to say Meryl Streep but that seems like obvious. I'd want to say like a Parker Posey or an Amy Sedaris type. Of course. But I'm not sure I wouldn't want both. I feel like oh, those are two Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly weirdly enough Jennifer Lopez Jennifer Lopez. Okay. Not for like a long time, mm-hmm. but for like a Gyllenhaal. She could be like the Gyllenhaal of this where she sort yeah. of like takes it over a little bit. But I want to see how the kids would react mm-hmm. to her. Okay. I'm also in a very Jennifer Lopez sort of like yeah. mindset at the moment. Bill Nighy. Oh, that's why That's why I throw in. That's so perfect. Mm-hmm. He'd I be a fun. That. He'd be fun. He'd be a very fun one. Also, Sharon Horgan. Sharon Horgan. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you for coming here to talk about thank Sack Lunch Thank you so Bunch. much for having me over. This was very fun. I can't wait to watch Sack Lunch Bunch again. You can all watch Sack Lunch Bunch now and always, always. on Netflix. Forever. Bye. Bye.